Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 28th day of February. I'm your host, Paul White. Well, the last day of each month means essay edition, and 2023, we've dedicated the essay edition to an essay that features wherever we are at that moment on our journey through the Gospel of Mark. We started the Gospel of Mark on January the 1st. Our January essay edition, of course, the print and audio version are available at our website, paulwhiteministries.com, covered a passage from Mark 2. And now for February, a passage from Mark chapter 4. So here is our essay edition for February 2023. The fourth chapter of Mark records the famous parable of the sower. Perhaps more importantly, it also records Jesus' commentary on the parable, a rare moment where the reader is allowed to come to their own conclusions first, and then they are challenged to wrestle with those conclusions considering what Jesus claimed he was saying. That experiment will often show us that we arrive at a different interpretation than Jesus intended. In the initial telling, the parable is simply an agricultural illustration. A sower throws seeds. Some of it is picked up by the birds, lost and scattered. Some fall on stony ground and, due to the harshness of the soil, don't survive. Others fall on ground already occupied by other plants, and they choke the life out of the seeds, keeping them from fullness. Finally, some seed inevitably makes it to soil where life and fullness are possible, and the result is a garden of various quantities of produce. Before Jesus gives commentary, we can easily identify the simple story as a sort of that's-just-the-way-things-go kind of allegory. Life isn't always fair. Things happen. We give it our best effort, but some things just go to the birds. Only the strong survive, and even when we are successful, it is a minority of the time and with mixed results that have no rhyme or reason. But Jesus is not telling that story at all. That interpretation is all about us and our life. Taken to the extreme, that story will have us trying to determine which ground we are and which ground best defines those around us. In a spiritual sense, we can then see that some people just do not get it like we do, and the end game is to be good enough to be used of God. When Jesus gives his commentary on the story, we learn early on that the seed being thrown is the word, making the sower the one who spreads that word. In church terms, it sounds like the sower is the preacher and the word is the sermon or the scripture, but that one hermeneutic shift is the key to unlocking this parable. If we miss one crucial point, we tilt the story toward condemnation, finding fault with those who don't hear our sermons the way we think they should. Oh, what do you expect? He's just thorny ground. So what is the point, the key, that we need to understand this parable? It is understanding the meaning of word. John opened his gospel by reimagining the Genesis introduction, stating that in the beginning was the word, and then further into his opening, he declared that the word had become flesh. For John, Jesus was the physical manifestation of the word, and all New Testament references to the word should be understood through this interpretation— Jesus put the seed, the word, and himself together in John 12, 24. Very truly, I tell you, 
Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He spoke this concerning his pending death on the cross. To be of the most value to the most people, the seed must go into the ground so that it can produce a crop. Jesus is the word and Jesus is the seed. If Jesus is the seed, then the sower is not the preacher, but rather the one who offered his only son for us all. God the Father is creating the world of his dreams by putting his son into the soil, both literally and figuratively. Jesus goes into death, the literal, and Jesus is made a man within the family of man, the figurative. This unlocks what the parable is not, as much as what it is. It is not meant to teach us which type of ground we are, as much as the recognition that Jesus penetrates the whole earth, whether we like it or not. What type of ground we are is obviously a part of the story, but it's ancillary at best. In fact, I don't think the parable is meant to help us identify ourselves as only one type of ground, but to see ourselves across time as all the types. Sometimes we are a little bit of one and a lot of another, but we're never not any of them, and Jesus is never not working. We tend to specialize in the specifics when we break down the parable of the sower. There's room for that, but I'll save it for the end, and I'll make it brief. Prior to that, I think a few points about the overall interpretation of the parable might be of more benefit. First, The seed is the common denominator in each part of the story. It has a job to do, and it does it in one way or the other. The ground shifts from wayside all the way to fertile soil, but the seed remains the same. As such, it is what should be examined the most rather than the ground. This interpretation puts Jesus in the center rather than us, and any story with Jesus as the star is sure to be a better one. With the seed as the star, Jesus becomes the main point of each encounter. Seed is proportionally minor compared to the finished product. Compare any seed to what it produces, and the fruit or the tree will dwarf the seed every time. As seed, Jesus is but one man. As product, Jesus is all in all. As seed, he was a rabbi that did wonderful things in first century Palestine. As a product, he is doing wonderful things in every tongue, culture, race, and people across 2,000 years. Proportional to his life on earth, his church is truly fulfilling his promise to do even greater things than he did. Seed also disappears and does its work out of sight. You plant the seed and think no more of it, and it goes to work with no help at all. Jesus does his work out of the sight of our systems and our way of thinking. We can forget he's even there, and yet his love and grace do the work they are designed to do. In a literal sense, Jesus has vanished from our natural eyes, having ascended into the heavenlies, but he is still working on our behalf, behind the scenes, ever living to intercede for us. We go about our business, but thankfully, so does Jesus. Seed works independent of effort. In every instance within the parable of the sower, the seed does precisely what it is made to do. The power to spring forth is within the seed, and it does. Outside circumstances influence how far the growth process goes, but nothing stops the seed from dying and exploding into life. Not birds, not stones, not thorns. 
Jesus does his work, and we are left with the question, who do we think we are? Now, on to the promised individual types of ground and responses. In these, you likely see yourself, either in the past or in the present. Just know that you are simply the soil of the earth, one of many countless souls. Jesus is the seed that is working in you to produce his fruit. Sometimes you're on board, and sometimes you're just bored. Anyway, don't be hard on yourself. Just be willing. That is the key to transformation. The fowl of the air swoop down and eat up the seed that falls by the wayside. This seed does not make it to its original destination because the archetype for what is evil, the fowl, keep it from germination. But the sly trick of the sower here is that birds eat seed and then fly away. The seed within them is still active, and when they deposit that seed into a nearby field or forest, the fertilizer that holds that seed helps it sprout somewhere else. While it may not have landed in the field it was originally bound for, it lands somewhere else, like the gospel that was originally for Israel but was embraced by the Gentiles. That is no mere afterthought by God, any more than the seed by the wayside is an accident by the sower. Where Satan thinks he has thwarted the message of God's love through Christ, he inadvertently causes his subjects to turn to God anyway. The seed won, and the birds helped. Sometimes Jesus lands on the stony ground where the seed finds germination but cannot dig its roots deep enough to make it to harvest. The ground is shallow, characterized by stones that take up space. This shallow reception space could be a type of how humanity receives Jesus as an antidote, a talisman, a good luck charm. When persecutions and tribulations arise, we move on to the most convenient answer. Sometimes it is apathy, or cowardice, or drugs, or alcohol, or compromise, whatever it is. We choose it because our roots don't reach down to the self-sacrificing, other-cheek-turning, enemy-loving Jesus. The stony ground is shallow in its reception of Jesus because it expects a life free of suffering and pain and is disappointed when those things show up anyway. The thorny ground is a bit mischaracterized. Ground cannot be thorny. The ground is fine. It's the presence of the other plants, the thorns, the thistles, and the weeds that are the threat to the life of the seed. They are the outside influences, what Jesus calls the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. They come in and choke what Jesus is doing. Realize that this is not some attack from the devil. The devil was the bird that carried the seed away at the wayside. This stuff is from us. We live our lives. We run after money and possessions and get lost in the pursuit of the temporal. This just happens to all of us, but it doesn't mean we should ignore it and say, oh well, who cares? There's no falling away in this illustration, just a lack of fruit production, as something else is taking over in the driver's seat of our soul. We may have gained the whole world, but we lost a little something not easy to get back. Finally, there's the good soil. Defined only as those who hear the word and receive it. That is it. They do nothing else special, holy, or important. They listen to Jesus, and they receive his commands, his love, his encouragement, his person. Of most importance is the fact that they don't interfere. They cannot help the seed produce, so they only believe. 
When we get involved, we do so with the works of the flesh. And often, these works will be done under the guise of holiness or high spirituality. You cannot help. You can only believe. The end of the parable is a trio of production levels. Some 30 times the seed, some 60 times the seed, and some 100 times the seed. We do not get to pick. That's up to the seed. And there is no indication that hundredfold production is done because those people live better. It is up to the seed what comes out. So celebrate the fruit in your brother and don't try and duplicate the production through your effort or your methods. Remember, the story was not and is not about you. It is about Jesus and his fruit. He grew it. He picks it. He enjoys it. Be thankful you are part of the orchard. Grace to you.